a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Thank you for listening to this podcast from TRE. Talk Radio Europe, your voice in Spain and around the world. For more information, please visit tre.radio. The Lifestyle Show. Selena McKenzie. Our brains are incredibly adept at repair. The me nobody sees. We create our own realities. A deep insight into mental health. This is the me that nobody sees. Welcome to our monthly programme about mental health awareness. Now, today we're going to be discussing alcohol use disorder. Very important, very emotive subject. Not easy to talk about for some, but we have on our panel today Councillor Deb Jones from The English Therapist and I'm delighted to say my dear friend and colleague, Giles Brown, who's going to be bravely telling us his story. Welcome to you both. Hello, welcome back. Good. Uh, there you go. I'm, I'm on mic number two. Yeah. Good. Good. Good afternoon. It's strange to be this side of the, this it side of the mic for change. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. strange. I, I think I was on that side with Hannah not long ago, and it was like this is really weird being on the opposite side of the desk. Right. Let's get rid of our intro and let the fun begin. The me nobody sees. A deep insight into mental health. Now, as always, you can call in WhatsApp or email. Giles has even said you can ask him any questions, but they have to be on the subject. You can't just ask him any questions. You do that between, between 10 and 12 on a weekday. So you can call us on 952-78-4000. You can WhatsApp plus 34-645-99-6795 or good old-fashioned email studio at tre.radio. So first of all, thank you, Giles. Pleasure. I, I mean, really, absolutely. really think it's very brave of you to discuss yourself and, and, and your life on the radio. So can you just tell us your story then? Right then. OK. Well, are you sitting comfortably? Yes. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, most people will know me from being that side of the mic and talking mainly about rock music, politics and cats. And coffee. And coffee, absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's a reason behind the coffee. But, you know, it, it is... When you started to do these shows... When you said the me that nobody sees, which I thought was the me that nobody knows, but that's not the story <laughs> indeed. I thought a little something went off in my head, a little little bulb went off in my head, because it is the subject that obviously um, I am really familiar with now and I have struggled against for the best part of 30 years on and off, and that, that's alcohol addiction. And it's, it has marked 
it, it was a controlling influence in my life for so very, very long. And a lot of triggers went off. And my first reaction would be to smother stuff or forget about stuff um, in terms of using using and abusing alcohol. It, it was that easy. It was that easy. And I was using it to to to, to a to, to block stuff up. But B, I thought it was part of my persona. So I thought I was the last of the great hell races because, you know, I like a party. And, you know, I was lucky. You know, I grew up in Marbella, you know, down here between the ages of 17 and whatever. And, and, and partying was a big part of my life, you know. And being involved in journalism, because that was my first, my first thing before I came over to presenting, I, I was a journalist. So I saw myself as the last of those great hell-raising sort of newspaper men from, the, from Fleet Street. And I was working in London in the magazine and the newspaper trade. You know, and I worked with The Mirror and I worked on The Times and stuff like that. And there were still a few... So it was that sort of hard-drinking, hard-partying uh, rock-and-roll lifestyle. Um, and I got away with it for a very long period of time. You know, during my 20s, during my 20s when I was living in London, you know, there were lots of, there were lots of blackouts and, oh, my God, did I do that last night? But the next morning you can make a laugh about it. And when you're younger, you can kind of get away with it a bit because you're not really thinking. You do think it's part of the rock-and-roll lifestyle. But eventually it started to, to take over. And I couldn't operate without having a drink. And a couple, I had a couple of personal tragedies happen. The loss of um, one of my best friends to cancer, Ziggy, uh, Tiffany, who is Ziggy's mum. And Ziggy, yeah. Ziggy is my goddaughter, as, as you know. And there's a story behind this, which I'll come back to, because this is a story with, with a happy ending, hopefully, because I'm sitting here now with you. Um, but I, well, I moved back, to, I moved, um, and, you know, and, and I'd be, I'd, there, there had always been alcohol, in the family environment and especially living in Marbella. Everybody drank. You played golf in Marbella in the 80s or you drank and I don't play golf. <laughs> you know, one or, one or two addictions is enough to handle anyway. Um, but when I moved back to Marbella, it, it sort of turbo charged itself in and I just, because in, at least in the UK, if you're drinking at 11 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock, it's, you know, people go, what's wrong with you? And of course, if you're in Marbella or if you're on, in Spain, it's a sunny day. Of course, why wouldn't you have a drink? The Spanish culture is alcohol-based, but not in a Northern European way, i.e. a glass of wine with dinner, maybe a carajillo, you know, something with coffee to get the... the but not the, the turbocharged drinking. And my drinking was, was never like that. It was never one or two. I was never a person who would have, a, you know, would have, leave half a, half a bottle of wine because that was my, my makeup. And eventually... I became pretty much unemployable to, to, to magazines because I was never there on time or I'd go off for lunch and just wouldn't come back and try, try and make it up. And, and it got to the point where I was, I was freelancing. And, and I, you know, I, I, loads and loads of, of horror stories. Well, not horror stories, but, you know, there were the car crashes. There were the, they were the, there were the dinners you went to where you said the wrong thing and, and all that sort of stuff. And... It got to the point in the end where I was, I was basically living in this, I call it a very dark version of Groundhog Day, yeah, where we, I was doing the same thing over and over again, but with the best intention. So I'll give you a quick 24 hours, if I may. So I would, I would wake up at about four in the morning with, with the night frights and the cold sweats. Now, those who don't know what the cold sweats and night frights are, they are horrendous. You, you wake up in a pool of sweat, sweating and, and, and sort of choking and, and, and wanting to vomit, but you can't because you're dry heaving. And you, you go to the bathroom mirror and you're looking at yourself going, you know, what, what on earth is going on? And you need, you need a drink to calm yourself down. If you've seen the film Leaving Las Vegas, then it's kind of like that. And I would wait because there was, uh, I was living in a place where there was a, where was a bakery. 
and it would open at six in, in the morning and being a Spanish bakery they would have booze so I would be able to run down to uh, to get the, uh, the my three litres of beer before going back to the, to my, my apartment then and chugging the first beer, the first litre, and that wouldn't stay down. But by the time I hit the second litre, I'd hit that sweet spot, and then I could work. So then I was functioning from, from literally 10 in the morning until, until basically sort of 1 o'clock, and I could make phone calls, and I could get articles written, the whole thing, and then I would go off to the local bar to enjoy lunch, and then I would go back for a siesta, because that's what, that's what, that's what journalists do in the afternoon. And then I would get up at about 5 o'clock and do a few more bits and pieces and, and then go back to, to maybe the bar, just have a, a red wine or two, to, and I'd, I'd go to bed knowing that I would sleep well that night. But, of course, I would then get up at three the next morning. And it went on and on and on. I, it was totally out of control, and I couldn't see that. And I, I gained weight. I got to 93 kilos. I, you know, I was pretty much... I thought I was living the, 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 uh, this, this huge sort of, like, Richard Harris stroke Oliver Reed stripe lifestyle. But I couldn't see that I was doing loads of damage here, there, and everywhere. Um, and I became... Also, I became the maudlin drunk. I, I wasn't a violent drunk, because well, I'm the worst fighter in the world. So if I did say something, it was over pretty quickly. Yeah? But I would be the guy who bored people to death at dinner parties and then fell asleep, that sort of thing. So it was, it was really... you know, I, And I didn't have a drinks problem, but I thought I had various bits and pieces where I thought I'd be able to... Uh, I would be able to, to get over it. So, for example, I didn't have a drink problem, but I thought the best thing I could do... I was getting paid weekly was to, was to design a fridge, a design a, a safe, which I did, which I, we, I could put a time lock on on Friday afternoon, put all my money in it, and then it wouldn't open till Monday morning. So therefore, I couldn't drink through the weekend. So therefore, I would be safe. I mean, yeah. Anyway, eventually, after after um, my my best friend. Um, Alex, his father was an alcoholic and he turned around to me one day and said after a particularly big session because when he used to come from London I used to think great we can we can carouse and he was seeing that I was doing damage and it, it wasn't much fun for him anymore as well so he said listen listen Giles you know, you, you know I've seen this and you're an alcoholic and I was so upset with him that I stormed off and went on a three day bender just to prove him wrong because that's what you do. It wasn't a moment of clarity but anyway um, and then one, one time I went out on a, on a, on a, for a, on a date and uh, I remember being in the restaurant with this girl, and I remember I had a couple of drinks to make my to get myself sort of smooth. And I remember making jokes, but being that half second off that you are saying things, and you weren't quite. And she was like looking at me a bit strangely. So I thought well, I'm funny. So I was having more drinks. And the next thing I did, I'd woken up on, on at home in my suit on the sofa, and I was like, well, that's not right. That's a bit strange. Total blackout. And and that's when the phone calls started coming in. And I'd, I'd caused a scene, trashed a restaurant, waiters had got involved, somebody had thrown me in a cab, taken me home. And and that's when uh, some old friends of mine decided to sort of pick me up. And, and they, thankfully, sort of kept hold of me for a week. So I didn't... Staged I didn't, an intervention. Well, staged an intervention. just said, look, I think you better come and sit here. And I was all, I was all jittery and, and emotional, because you do when you're an alcoholic. You get all weepy about nothing. Um, and... And they took me. They took me that night to to my to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, which was like you know, which is totally uh, mind blowing and frightening and the whole thing. Um, and thus thus began this part of my particular journey. Um, so yeah, um, and and since then it's been it's been an interesting an interesting ride. I relapsed. I'm not one of those people who said I went into Alcoholics Anonymous and everything changed. But, um, you know, because I did, I, did, I did two and a half years the first time round and, um, and I was all you know, virtuous in the whole thing and got my sponsor and uh, went to the meetings regularly, you know, at least three or three a week in the whole thing. And, uh, and then I was looking after somebody's house 
and it was Christmas time and they, they had a half bottle of wine and I was on my own in the house and I thought, well, it's Christmas, I've been two and a half years sober now, what could go wrong? So I opened up the bottle of the rest of the wine and I drank it and the worst thing happened because the worst thing that happened was nothing happened. So I was like, bingo, I'm cured. And we are never cured by this. You're never cured of it. So I then went drinking for the next two years, but secretly, which was even worse. Because when you, when you are an alcoholic and you go back to drinking, you don't start from zero. You go back to where you left off at. So that was even so that was the shame and the trying to hide it. And eventually, uh, I, I got back in the same destructive behaviors that I had before and the same destructive relationships I'd had before. And eventually, again, there was a massive blow up. And I found myself back in a, you know, back in a group from stage one. Um, and the thing was that nobody, nobody said, oh, you're a terrible person. Everybody said, OK. And this time, to the grace of God, I, or whatever you believe in, I have managed to, to stay sober for a considerable amount of time. I'll let somebody have a word in a minute. But the other thing is, people, people will say to me, how long have you been? How long have you been sober for? Well, I don't, I don't, it's not a race. It's not a competition. It's not. It's not a bit of bit of alcoholic willy waving, if you'll pardon the expression, because <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you're, yeah, there's an image for you. It doesn't matter how long you've got. Everybody is still the first person who's got the first afternoon free is the first person is is the same as somebody's got who's got twenty to thirty years. Um, and there was a time in my life that I built everything. That, everything I did was was around alcohol. I mean, literally from where I lived to what I would do next to you know, everything was around alcohol. And 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 now because I've I've managed to rewire my brain, I have a life. And also, it's a life beyond your wildest dreams. But I have a life now that I can do stuff that I love that isn't alcohol based. And I have rebuilt. Um, relationships and work things in a way that wouldn't wouldn't be possible. And and I mentioned Tiffany, my friend, who my best friend, who died of cancer when she was twenty nine, some twenty five years ago. Her daughter, I, I had lost touch with with Ziggy, um, and obviously I used to drink on the fact that her mother had died and oh, she's my best friend and the whole thing. And then through this period of sobriety, I got a I got a, a Facebook message from Ziggy and she'd been in Australia and she said, I don't know if you, you know who I am, but I'm Tiffany's daughter. And I said, of course I know who you are. And I was then at a stage in my life where I could actually build a relationship with her. And I now have this wonderful relationship with the, the daughter of my, my goddaughter, my Ziglet, uh, which would have been impossible if I was drinking, because I would have been that awful more than, oh, I loved your mother thing. And I also have wonderful relationships with, with other friends, and I've got loads of goddaughters. And the reason I've got loads of goddaughters <laughs> is because I'm now dependable. So if I say to you now, I'll pick you up from the airport at whatever time in the morning, you know I'm there. Whereas before, you had about a 50-50 chance of, of me turning up either not at all or up there and, and, and sort of eating Mentos by, by the dozen. So, you know, that's, you know, and then that's, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I don't, I don't see myself as some hip cool look at me I've been through through rehab or been through AA and the whole thing it's just the fact that a lot of us are are stigmatized by alcohol I don't parish I don't skydive you know I don't I don't I don't I don't rollerblade and I don't drink it's as simple as that and and, and alcohol is is the people will say to you it's the only drug that that we are if you don't drink people tend to look at you saying well why don't you drink you know what's wrong with you you know and and I'm very lucky because I've had the second chance you know I was 93 kilo and Facebook memories are a wonderful thing because they'll <laughs> pop up from 11 years ago and you'll go oh my god I wore the big comedy shirts and you'll be like oh for goodness sake but it's it's been you know it's been it's it's what I learnt about myself and what I learnt about keeping safe and, and and generally not reaching out for something to 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 blow that away to 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 mask that that pain or to mask that feeling. 
Um, and that sort of stuff, those sort of... To, to get through the next hour, to get through the next five seconds, to get through the next... without doing something stupid. And that gets me through everything now. Not just alcohol, but when pressure's on, you know, breathe, go for a walk. I have a tennis ball in the car, which I throw. <laughs> you know, so really I do, because... because that your car's brave. Exactly, but you have to have... You have to, have, you have to know yourself, and you have to be aware of, of situations that... Can, can trigger you so I'm always I'm not look at me I'm great I've beaten alcohol because I well, haven't I think you should be I think you should be proud of yourself I'm proud of you for one Deb I think it's also testament to your friends Giles because they were there they didn't turn their back on they helped you twice probably more than that you're good for, yeah, just quickly you're good again just quickly your good friends will stay with you your drinking friends won't my social life now is better than it was when I was drinking because people like to see me come in and be me not me come in and be yeah. Oliver Reed yes yes I guess you. your drinking friends don't, also don't want to have to face it if, if you're challenging yourself then it reflects and mirrors back to them the need to do it and so yeah because I know you see you see patients with with various addictions alcohol use disorder being one of them is it true the old adage that you have to hit rock bottom before you can get better um, we can be told that it's time to change, but we have to feel that opportunity for change. And sometimes uh, people's tolerance levels are different. Sometimes people can catch it when they've got those moments of clarity and, and, and get the epiphany earlier. Some people are on a destructive path that need to take themselves to rock bottom where they're completely isolated mm. and drink themselves to the ground. And it sounds like, you know, you took yourself to a, to a dark place. Um, and, and that is a choice point for us. You know, we are on a self-destruct. It is an emotional suicide. Um, it can take you to such a low place where we have to find in ourselves some kind of spark, some kind of want that can spiral us back up. And even if that is friends or, or family swooping in to just give us that helping hand, because... You know, we're lost. But one of the things I will say is the fact that if you, you you can say, you can be jittery and say, right, I never want to drink again and I want to do something about it. And I've seen, I've had, seen this lots of times and anybody who, you know, who's in A will, will say this as well, will agree with me or any sort of program, is the fact that, yeah, people will come in and they'll go, okay, and, and then you'll, you'll lose them after the first two or three meetings. So it's important to get in touch with somebody who's a professional or who's got experience, i.e. somebody like yourself or somebody, or get, you know, get a sponsor or get somebody in, in the group to... Because your mind will tell you that it's not as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you know, my, before I retrained that my little, my little whatever is bouncing around in here, it would say to me, oh, it wasn't that bad. When it actually, it, it bleeding well was. Yeah. But you have to, if you, if you can talk to, if you can talk and share that, what you're going through with somebody else. Two things. I couldn't understand why I was drinking. I was, I considered myself an intelligent person. I couldn't work out why I was doing this to myself. I mean, I really couldn't. I was desperate. And, and somebody like yourself can say, who's seen this and knows the, the triggers and the emotional stuff, can say, can step back. And, and obviously, it's, it's some, friends are really important, but have somebody who is professional and go, well, have you thought about this? Because I went to, I also went to, to as well as doing, um, doing the program, I also, or go attending AA, I also went to professionals because they had no vested interest in me. It was a purely, it was a, it was a business relationship, but they, were, they had seen people like me come in before and they would go, actually, you're talking a load of rubbish. Not those words exactly. And, and you need to do this and look at that and, and the whole thing, which was invaluable to me as well. Well, it's, it's someone to challenge 
and reflect back the story that you're telling yourself because that's what keeps your addiction going mm. it's the story that we're telling yourself you, you, you told yourself well I'm not an alcoholic you know I'm fine uh, this is what everybody does um, and to be able to have that story reflected back and piecing together what's going on around your story because you didn't just become an alcoholic something led you to, to, to want to choose to, to drink more and more yeah um, and, and avoidance to an emotional problem you know that keeps it all at bay and and then the feelings behind it become so big that you need to drink more and more because the feelings become bigger you know they're, they're pushing up so it's my work would be about not concentrating on the addiction. My, my work would be concentrating on, well, what happened before? Mm. What's your story before? Because then you can start to feed back. But this happened because of this. And then you can come out of your story. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody, get, nobody drinks beer at eight in the morning thinking, well, hey, I'm living the dream here. I mean, really, no, you don't. You don't think, yeah, you rock and roll, yeah, shots, and you know, and and you know, doing doing the, the cheap, the cheap, the cheap sherry stuff. Nobody, that's, that's not, you know, you're not thinking. So there is, there's always something behind it. You're not drinking because you like the taste. You're drinking because you want to. There's something, you know, the, the, the hole in the soul they call it, but it's the something that you need to, to to deal with, and that's that's really hard. I mean, does it get any easier? Yes, it does. It is, but you have to stick at it, and it's really hard. If it was honest, because you have to want to do it yourself, yeah? It's not like uh, if, if, I've got a, if I've got a broken arm, then if I follow my doctor's instructions, uh, it will heal itself. But I don't really have to, I don't have to look at my arm and go, get better, get better. With, with anything to do with, with any sort of addiction, you be it gambling, sex, food, whatever, you have to be on guard all yourself. So it is, during those, it's, it's breaking the patterns of your behaviour and, and, and trusting that what people are telling you will work out in the end whilst your mind is going, oh, this is rubbish, come on, just, you know, just, a, just a shandy. And what's it like when you're in situations like walking down down the alcohol aisle of a supermarket or like our Christmas party when we're all having a drink. What, what's that, is that difficult for no, you? Not anymore, because, again, because you, you, hence the 28 Days Later film, you know, 28 days to... It's 28 days to, to get a habit, to, to break a habit, and then six months to, to whatever. Because I, I, I have been sober for a period of time now, it doesn't even register, whereas before it was the overriding aim. But now you just have to... It's, you have to accept that you can't. You know, you have to accept that this is just this is. I mean, and I had a I had a damn good run at it. It's not like I had half a shandy when I was sixteen and that was it. I mean, I was proper party boy, and now I have to think. You know, I don't do that anymore. You know, when you know, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I've done that, and I have to recognise that. And and if you recognise that, and say I don't do that anymore. But, I mean, I, I don't do nights anymore. I don't go out at night anymore, very rarely, yeah? But I will, I will go for lunch, as you've seen me at the Christmas bashes and stuff like that. But by about, sort of, by about eight or nine o'clock, I'm, I'm kind of done. Yeah. Because, because after a meal, I just want to go, you know, I just want to go home and talk to the, to the dog or the cat or whatever. And to be, be honest, there's nothing worse. I, I just did dry January, and there's nothing worse than when you're out with friends and you're the only sober one and you see how silly people are. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't, but I'm not, I also, I'm not one of those people who go, oh, well, it's, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, I, I, I you know, I, 
you look at stuff and you you do go, oh well, you know, especially you know, I wish I could have a glass of champagne. But then your mind, like what I do now, is I then remember, you know, the the the, the car crashes, the, yeah. the the times I let people down, the disappointments, and and you remember, and I, I, I go straight to those. So it's not a case of I'm going to have a glass of champagne and everything could be fine, because you're playing Russian roulette. You could have a drink and nothing could go wrong, like I did that first time. But you will be eventually. You just one day you'll hit the chamber and it'll go off, yeah. and you'll be you know you'll be found somewhere in La Linea at six in the morning singing gypsy songs. We have to take our first advert break. We've had lots of WhatsApps in, so uh, just bear with us and we will be back. The Lifestyle Show, presented by Selena McKenzie. This is the mean that nobody sees. As I mentioned before, you can call us on 952 78 4000 to join in the conversation. WhatsApp 645 996795 or email studio at tre.radio. We've had quite a few WhatsApps in. Uh, Pompey Gary said... Uh, Giles, I never knew. Big respect, Giles, for being brave enough to open up and be honest. Um, I'm on that journey myself. Regards, Pompey Gary, who is typing again, but I need to move down. He probably said, "Don't read that out on air." Probably that's <laughs> too, too late. Too late. Sorry, Pompey Gary. He didn't. Say that. Oh, that the other one. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, Giles, uh, not sure who this is from. Hang on a second. Uh, David Farber said, Giles, have you ever thought of being a life coach? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey. There'd be a lot of people drinking too much coffee with cats in that case. Morning, Farbs. Uh, anonymous person. I'm anonymous, but I live here in Spain. I am the wife of a recovering alcoholic, and I'd just like to say, well done, Giles. How brave and informative you have been. It has helped us both. So that's very nice. Thank you for those. Um, I just want to go on to, um, we mentioned that you saw a counsellor, and Deb, as we mentioned, you obviously you're a counsellor. I just want to ask you quickly about AA, because I, for one, not being in that world, don't understand about AA. Is it true you have to stand up and say, I'm an alcoholic, do you have 12 steps? What does it all mean? You don't have to stand up. You can sit you down, can sit and, down, say down you can and sit down and say it. In fact, you do sit down and say it, okay. unless, unless it's a particularly packed meeting. Um, AA is, is a fellowship of men and women. Um, who through their shared experience through their shared experience, and I'm not an AA. By the way, just so you know, I'm not an AA. I'm not, I don't sponsor anybody. I was an AA. I found it incredibly useful because it let me know because you think you're on your own. And, and what you get out of AA is you walk in there and you realise that, because what will kill you is what's called terminal, terminal uniqueness. You think you're the only one on this journey, so therefore nobody else understands you. And that's why you're going to drink, and I'm a dark and mysterious person, so I will do Jägermeister in the morning. Um, but, in fact, in fact uh, you then find out that loads of people are suffering from the same thing. And we tell, and you tell a story. You tell if you don't have to, you can sit there in the room and say nothing at all and just listen. And that's what that's what perhaps the first thing you want to do is just sit down and shut up and listen to other people. Because I've had seen so many people come in and go blah 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 blah, blah and then go off and we don't see them again for sort of six months and then they come back in again broken. And you go, okay, here we go, deep breath. So you can you go into AA you, when you go into AA. It is a friend. It, it feels the most scary place in the world, but people walk through those doors and I have. Well, I have been fortunate enough to see miracles with people and people have completely changed their lives around. Uh, when I first went into AA, being a party boy, lots of my friends uh, were also in there and they were like, Giles Brown, finally, you've come in, that sort of thing, in a friendly way. So um, you get back what you put in. Um, it's, it, was, it was invaluable to me 
during that, that really desperate part of my life and I made it a very big part of my life. So you don't have to do the program. You don't have to do the 12 steps. You don't have to get a sponsor. You can do what you're advised to, but it's, entirely, it's an entirely voluntary thing. What we, are the 12 steps? The 12 steps, well, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I did, well, the, the, the first step is, 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 is acknowledging you have a problem with alcohol and that you're powerless to do anything about it. Then you hand that power over to a, you'd hand that problem over to a higher power. Now, this is the thing where people get a bit, because we use the word God, and it's a God of your understanding. So it can be God, it can be Allah, it can be, it can be anything apart from Satan, basically. So it can be, yeah, trust me on this one. Um, and, um, but it can be, your higher power can be quantum physics, it can be a bleeding tree in the car park. It's as long as you can just say, look, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I can't. I'm done. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. Somebody help me. And that's the thing. That's what we don't do as a society in general as well. We don't re- reach out. We all are, we're all about putting stuff on social media about how good we are and how fantastic things are. But on the, the other side, we're paddling madly. And what Alcoholics Anonymous gave me was a safe space so I could go. You know, I, my life is shit. I've got this problem. Because you may get clean, you may get sober, but your problems will still be there going, good morning. And you get that 90-day sort of pink cloud and everything's great. And I've seen it happen. And people go, oh, it's really wonderful. And then suddenly something comes out of the woodwork. You know, the, you know, a, a, you have a car accident, a tax bill comes in, a relationship breaks out. You, you base your recovery on somebody else. Always a bad move, that one. You base your recovery on another person. And, and kapow, they go, it's split up, and suddenly you're back. And if you don't have that, that moral, the support of, of a support network, then you're very likely to, to relapse, yeah? So it's, it's, for me, it's a safe space. People have said it's a cult. I don't, I don't think it's a cult. I think it's incredibly useful. But there are, other, there are other methods. You don't have to go into AA. But I would, if you have enough, if you have enough, it's, 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 it's the, it was the most emotional thing I had to say to walk into a room and go, my, no, it didn't walk in, but when he sat there and I finally said, my name is Giles and I'm an alcoholic. Did it, was it like a light bulb moment? It wasn't a light bulb because it doesn't make sense. You just say because everybody, everybody says it in a circle to begin with. But then it gets, gets through and then you, you realise that the other people are alcoholic. You know, you were, and there is a whole, there's a whole social life there. Yeah. Exactly. There's a whole community. There's a sober community. But you can, you, you can, you can, you can dive into that and, you can, and it was, like I said, it's invaluable to me during, during my, first, my first years of sobriety. Uh, and, um, you know, but it is, AA is a bridge to normal living. Yeah, it's to prove that you can get through it. It's through shared experience, shared experience and hope. Yeah, and like like we discussed, Deb. I mean, AA is it can help people, but you have to dive in and think. Why did this start in the first place? Yes, well, each point is is useful, but I think you're, you're right, Giles. That it is about having a team. Um, if if people come to me and and I'm all they have, then they're more likely to relapse because there's there's no one to support them in the in the void in between coming to see me next week mm. and and they're going to have the daily triggers which are going to want to trigger them back. Mm. So it, it what's so important is having the team and and if if people can't hold themselves in that space, even if it is an afternoon, an hour then sometimes the next resort is, is rehab where they're completely held um, and we're lucky along this coast to have so many uh, rehabs rehabs all around the world obviously there's a cost that comes to that but total immersion um, detoxing and, and re-education and re-stimulation mm-hmm. in order to at least prepare to be able to, to, to step out of those doors with a team, with a support network. Can I just say, choose your rehab well. Okay. Yeah, because go to somebody who's involved in the business, yeah, 
and and is recommended by people because you would be amazed about the number of, of I, yeah there are lots of people who profess to be rehabs and to be honest it's a it's a business and and therefore a lot of people don't understand alcoholism per se and a lot of people um will think oh, if i go to rehab this will be fine and everything and i'll do a i'll do, I'll do three months and it'll cost thirty-two thousand euros for, for the month or whatever and i'll come out i'll be fine if you don't have those those bits if you don't have the tools when you come out you will you will re, you will relapse simple as that so you really have to want to do it yourself yeah so and a lot of people say you know we are you know we are but make sure you're rehab is, is recommended by doctors or by professionals because it'd be very easy for me to go out go up into the hills and say this is you know i mean not that i would do but you know giles brown you know coffee infused rehabs <laughs> and 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 people are desperate people who come into rehab are desperate because they have got no, that this is this is it for a lot of people i've seen especially you know especially down here and their families are distraught and they can't understand it because because you also the thing is this is this is an illness a disease that affects not just you you think it's you but it affects everybody around you but you're too blinkered to see it okay it's a nasty one so i thought i was just doing damage to myself because i was the last of the great rock and rollers but what i was doing is i was damaging my family and my friends but i couldn't see that and the stuff there are support groups for people you know as Al-Anon, for people whose whose loved ones loved ones are uh, whose loved ones are, are going through a period of recovery because it, you you think you're doing it to yourself but actually you are it's it's the kids it's the wife it's the again because they're not sure what's going to come through the front door at six o'clock or eight o'clock or the next morning um and so yeah i mean just 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 be wary of just be wary of that uh, yeah as a consequence of that i quite often work with with children of alcoholic parents and having grown up with that and and how powerless that is you know for them it creates a deep-rooted pattern of powerlessness because they are young they can't change it they can't uh, they can't get out of it, so their life is completely around the conditions that they're brought up in. A, a parent that's not available, um, it's unpredictable. Um, their needs are not being met. They tend to end up as carers for their parents um, and have to then take over responsibility for themselves um, and then grow up too quickly. So there's a lot of emotional issues for the people around. Um, that, that go into adulthood and of course it is a genetic issue I was going too. to ask you that actually I was just about to ask you that but, uh, would it follow also I was, I was going to ask if it's genetic but would it follow also that because the children are around it nature not nurture not nature would they grow up and think I'm not going to drink or would it more likely to be that they would be an alcoholic as well if you have Addictive personalities running through the family, then you are, you can have a propensity to, to develop that addiction. But if you don't have the emotion, the same emotional patterning as as the parent, then you can divert it. Um, and so, if a child grows into wanting to face their issues, then they're not going to rely on the alcohol. So therefore. The alcoholism can, can can quite often not happen. Mm. Other issues can happen. So it can be genetic. It can be um, environmental. Um, it can be triggered later on in life. Um, it can be around peer pressure. Um, it can be around um, abuse um, or, or of any kind of abuse. Um, 
And if our self-esteem is low, if we've gone through trauma, then that can trigger it in too. So there's lots and lots of factors here. Um, and we're all looking for an, um, an emotional soothe. You know, we don't like pain. We're also quite often wanting to find the easiest way out. Um, and we're looking for that quick lift. And so if we come across something, especially in teenagehood, oh, this makes me feel good. And then that works. Then we can get caught on that pattern. And that's when the neural pathways form um, and, and it becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah. And so as you get older, it's, it's recognising this is not serving me and learning a new pathway. And that's what we can do in therapy is, is learn a new way. Did you say, Giles, that it's prevalent in your family or not? Was it because of... Um, I can't... Uh, I can't... I, I, I came from a hard drinking... I came from a hard drinking family. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, no, I mean, uh, but, um, you know, mum's no longer with us. Dad hasn't drunk for a very long time as well. But it, uh, but, but it was... It, we, you know, it, 70s, 70s childhood. I mean, yeah, yeah, there was... You had shandy, you know what I mean? It was, <laughs> Snowballs. <laughs> Snowballs, exactly. Baby sham. The occasional baby sham smuggled on the ears. So it's, you know, it's, it's not... It's not the, there, there was there was alcohol around, but again, you you there's an awful lot of saying because I'm just thinking about people. You're saying you see people who don't have support networks, and it must be incredibly difficult for people who don't have a group, and they they come from a background perhaps which is all around the bars and the partying and the whole thing. So when they get try and get sober, and they go, oh come on, you're not that bad. That's really hard. That's yeah. really hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so that's yeah. I I'm mean, sure. genetically. Scottish mother, Welsh father, what are you going to do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we need to take our second advert break, but we will be back. The Lifestyle Show, presented by Selena McKenzie. We're on the last 15 minutes of The Me Nobody Sees. I'm with Deb and Giles. A couple more WhatsApps. um, Anonymous. Uh, it says, please, can I be anonymous because of my second uh, comment? But my first comment is, you and Joe should do a show together. Well done, you guys. Thank you very much. Um, but the question is, I'm listening in Mallorca. How does somebody know, and this is probably for Deb, when a lot of drinking turns into alcoholism? I suppose there are lots of other factors to do. You know, you, you might be looking at the physical effects, seeing lots of bottles around, seeing them um, being in social situations, but it's also a change of behaviour. Um, and if you are hypersensitive to your partner and very aware of them, you're going to pick up on other signals. You're going to pick up on a withdrawal. You're going to pick up on change of behaviour. They might be more snappy. They might be sleeping more. and They might be avoiding... Um, you might be finding things around the house. You're going to know. Yeah. Hit, hit Any addiction. Things, yeah. if, if you're living with someone, you're going to know. You yeah. might know and not deal with. You, it might be very low-lying and you're getting messages at the back of your mind. Oh, that didn't feel right. That didn't feel right. Because if you acknowledge it, you then have to face it. And then if you face it, then there could be an outcome. So a lot of families don't always deal with it until they're ready to deal with it. Hope that helps, uh, anonymous person. Paul, for you, Jao, says, uh, chapeau mon ami, both in recognising yourself and talking about it. Very brave of you, Paul Cosby. Thank you very so, much. Paul Crosby, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, would you say you've got an addictive personality? Did you did you replace it with something else, or did you just... Um, I mean, apart from doing eight, eight, eight radio shows a week. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you do slightly more than the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> it's... Yeah. 
the thing is, when you, you see, it's something that overrides your life, because it's, it's the first thing you think of, think of you know, during the day. So when it's gone, your brain is filled with so many other bits and pieces that you're trying to, trying to process, because you do, you don't... This is the thing about as, as well. You know, there's no tablet you take and just go, okay, I'm cleared with I'm cleared with alcohol now. So, so it's a mental thing. So what you do is you, your brain is full of going back when you first come into getting sober is, is going through the reasons why, which we talked about before, about the whole thing about there are behaviours and, and patterns and therapy. So you do an awful lot of work on yourself, yeah, which is big scary monster. Trust yeah. me on this one, you yeah. know. Um, and and then it's I don't because my days my days now are full of stuff. You're always busy. I'm always you busy because always I don't busy. drink anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not I'm not you know the only thing about sick and t- I'm still sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. So now I get up in the morning with a ridiculous amount of energy, um, and my days are full of stuff to do and also to to help other people to help other people. I don't just mean you know helping other alcoholics out. I mean I just mean being being present in the moment and that's that's enough. To be honest with you, you do, I don't, I don't, I don't have a model railway set. I don't. You don't need to, because people have said. I had a, a guest on last week who's a, who's a, an ultra runner, and they said, you know, have you replaced one alcoholic thing with another? And she's like, absolutely, believe not. It's just something that I enjoy doing, but I enjoy doing it so much more now that I don't drink, and so it's not replacing. It's just enhancing. Well, it's, it was a codependent relationship with the bottle, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, that became all you needed. You couldn't be without it. You did everything with it. Yeah. Your life was evolved around it. And then when you you break that relationship, there's a grieving period. But then you learn to have a relationship with yourself. And it sounds like since then, you've learned to have that relationship with yourself. Because my life is so much richer now. Yeah. Because I don't have that thing. And I know, listen, I, I, could, you know, I could go back to that if I want to. But I've, I've been there and I've tried it. And, I've, and nobody ever comes out and get, comes back and goes, gosh, I really enjoyed that relapse. It was great fun. But is it a relapse? You couldn't just have one and no, then... I could, no, I, no, I could have one. <clears throat> you know, we could, we could go from now and, have, and I could have a you know, bloody good lychee martini, my drink of choice at one point. You know, like, you have this idea... We, we have this romantic idea of ourselves being the great Gatsby, when in fact we're not. And, and another thing about alcoholism is, it's, 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 and I, I will tr- stress this, you can be high-level functioning alcoholic. It's not everybody clutching a bottle, but you can be do, do, having little nips around the place, around the house, hiding booze in various places. Always check the toilet systems for, for, for booze there and also Ooh. the bottle. Yeah, no, because you'll, if you'll hide it, if you're an alcoholic, you get sneaky. So you will, if you're with, in a relationship with somebody and you're an alcoholic and you want to hide it... You have an affair, don't you? You have an affair with a bottle. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a in like the lowest in the sock drawer you've got a shot bottle or you've got vodka in the, in the toilet system so just going to the toilet and bam and you know and, and yeah and, and doing that I mean it's, it's, it's that I mean it's madness mm-hmm. it is madness now um, but yeah I mean that was that, that was that was the life I mean that, yeah. was, that was all that's what I thought the life was and, and, and obviously now I don't have that and I've forgotten what the original question was but anyway go <laughs> We've got some more WhatsApps coming in. Um, uh, these people want to remain anonymous, which is fine. Anonymous listening in the UK. Thank you for tackling this difficult subject. Um, I would just like to know... Oh, I think we've sort of just covered that. I'd, I'd just like to know if we can simply cut down or does an alcoholic have to cut it out completely? I guess the answer is... You have to cut it out, yeah. You have to take a long, hard look like at yourself. Because, yeah, because it, it, if, you will, your, if your personality changes, if you have to keep saying, oh, that wasn't me, 
to people because apart you did something at a party you were dancing on the t- you know you were doing Beyonce single lady and then the back was over the chandelier and then you go and it's happening every time yeah then it is you mm-hmm. and and it's really hard and you'd love to be able to say oh I cut down because we've all tried it but if you are if you are it, then you are it, it's if we use the analogy of a relationship you know it it is a toxic relationship yeah. that you're having so um, if you're having a toxic relationship with the boyfriend would you want to stay friends with that boyfriend mm, that's Which, very very good analogy, because yeah. because then you just know okay well I'd really like to be friends with it because the illusion of it is that, you yeah. know one day once upon a time they treated me so well yeah. but you know that there's every chance that one day they're going to hurt you yeah. and then when they hurt you you just say oh I did it again so every addiction is always going to be toxic yeah. and you'll never be able to have that healthy relationship it is about breaking the relationship with it and finding a new healthy relationship with something else yeah. or I'm, someone else I'm trying to read these ones I'm so as quick as I can because they're coming in quite fast um, somebody said I'll just call myself Sarah because Anonymous seems to be frightening quite a lot yes, indeed <laughs> well done Giles on all seriousness I think my 19 year old son sorry my 19 year old son may have a drink problem and I don't know how to tackle it can your counsellor help, please? I mean, are you able to have a conversation with him? Are you able to bring it up so that at least he can be aware with you? Um, point out what you've noticed, point out what you've seen. But until he's ready to deal with it, it's 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 a hard yeah. thing to deal with. And also do it do it from a place of do it from a place of love. I suppose that's the thing mm-hmm. as well. Don't say and gentleness. Yeah, don't say oh by the way because it's very again we are bombarded with images of people having great, especially you know young people on social media with you know guys driving around in you know driving around in Lamborghinis with bottles of you know Hennessy cognac and it looks very sexy in the whole thing, but the, the reality is you know and it, and it, you know it. it Unfortunately, it, the, the, you kind of have to, you can have the conversation, but as you will say, Debs, you know, you have to, nine times out of ten, it has to reach a level where that person goes, I can't go on. But just saying, look, we've noticed this about, you know, this about your thing. And you, you, you can go and sit in on a meeting and just look at, look at the people and go, who are these bunch of freaks? But something, it may just trigger something, it may spark something. I mean, I went to an alcoholic anonymous meeting in, 90, the first one I went to was in 1996, 97, 96. And I went in there and thought, no, they're a bunch of idiots and walked out again. But it planted something out. So when I did come back, Several like a decade later. So your first one, you were thirty-ish. Yeah, trying to work it out because we're both the same age. So for this lady who is talking about a nineteen-year-old son, presumably suggesting to go to an AME. Go to an, go to Al, Al. Go to Al. No, for the mum, go to Al Anon. Find Al-Anon. yourself an Al Anon meeting, right? And you'll Al-Anon meet mothers and fathers who are going through the same experience. But there's also um, a, um, an, an ego based in this too, and the idea of having to go and admit that in those early stages might be impossible. Yeah. Um, if the mother wants the support, then quite often I'll see parents and work with them to equip them to be able to support the child in a different way. Yeah. The child is not ready. If you meet them with defence, they're not ready. And all you can just say is, I'm here um, and I'm getting support for this. Uh, you know where I am. And you yeah. remember, you're dealing with, you're not dealing with your son, you're dealing with the alcohol or the whatever and your son. So yeah. don't yeah. think it's, you know, it's, it's, you're not dealing with the person that you love, you're dealing with that other thing. 
Yeah. Sadly, we're running out of time. I do have another advert break to play, which, of course, we love our sponsors. We, we do indeed. There's no problem there. Um, Deb, just before we do, and particularly for this lady, Sarah, give your contact details out in case she wants to get in okay, touch. Sure. If you want to get in contact, you can contact me on my website, which is www.theenglishtherapist.com. Great stuff. I want to give the details out as well, which Giles gave me earlier for, for AA. You can speak to AA Alcoholics Anonymous over here confidentially. It's 600 379 110. That's 600 379 um, I'll keep it with me and Giles will have it with him. If you haven't got a pen at the moment or you're driving, just ask one of us. Email one of us on studio at tre.radio. Let's take our third and final advert break. <laughs> Lifestyle Show. Selena McKenzie. That's just about it for us, the me that nobody sees. We'll be back uh, the first Thursday of the next month. Obviously, Hannah is next between four and six. Giles will be back with you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Thank you to Deb Jones, as always. Mm-hmm. And you're a huge inspiration, Giles. Oh, you're shush. my dear friend, and I'm going to come round and give you a hug. Oh, blimey, O'Reilly. <laughs> Anybody that's suffering, just keep sticking. Keep, keep on keeping on. That's all I can say. Keep doing it. It's worth it. Excellent. We'll play out with another level.
Selena McKenzie. You've been listening to a TRE production. If you've enjoyed this program, there'll be another episode waiting for you next week, right here on this platform, where you can also access our extensive back catalogue of shows and interviews. For more information on our live programming, social media channels, and apps, and how to contact Talk Radio Europe, please visit tre.radio. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.